Hi, my name is Kristen Harrell-Lambides. I'm a licensed professional counselor based in New Jersey, and this is Out Is Through, Personal Experiences and Therapy Soundbites, where we'll be tackling and talking through our burning questions about our respective messy and magical lived human experiences from a therapeutic perspective, and hopefully gaining a little more clarity, freeing our minds from uncertainty and self-doubt as we grow and evolve together. So join me from the comfort of your preferred broadcast streaming service, and let's work our way out of challenges by talking them through and destigmatizing mental health struggles together. I don't think I've mentioned this yet, but fun fact, I started this podcast completely on a whim. I don't even listen to that many podcasts myself, and I'm pretty sure the first and only one I've ever listened to in its entirety was season one of Serial. So this is a very flying by the seat of my pants endeavor here. It came about, though, because a friend of mine was going through it, isolating hard, and I decided to periodically spam him with entertaining or inspirational memes and random funny observations that popped into my head in hopes of providing him with a little dopamine boost. He responded super sporadically to most of them, one of which was a text wherein I pretended to be a company sending promotional messages and invited him to text stop if he wished to unsubscribe from spammy spam spam. Yeah. I can be a little extra, but I got a reply to that one that I was funny, and hopefully he at least cracked a smile on his end too. A few days or so later, probably more than that, but math, I decided to do a little combo breaker just for fun and sent him an audio message pretending to be the host of the Spammy Spam Spam podcast, and pretty much just saying I missed him, hoped he was good, and would love to see him for my birthday if he could make it. He couldn't. He's a good hour away, but he did call me to catch up a week or so later. But before that, he'd replied to my audio message telling me I had podcast voice and should start one for real. And the rest, as they say, is history. So shout out to my boy Leo. I still miss you, and I hope you're soldiering forward okay out there and haven't looked back and turned into a pillar of salt or gone full throw on me just yet and retreated into the woods forever. Anyway, this episode, much like this entire podcast itself, is your girl at the mercy of yet another random whim. So, cliche as it may be, I've always loved the clean slateness of New Year's and all the energy of possibility and starting fresh that comes along with it. If you listened to the last episode, you already know that 2022 was a particularly rough one for me. But the healing and growth and subsequent transformation I've gone through as a result has me extra excited for the possibility of the new year to come. I can't remember if I was ever really a New Year's resolutions person when I was younger. I may have set a goal for myself once or twice. But since I crossed paths with my yoga teacher, mentor, and soul mommy, Dana, who I'll hopefully be introducing you to at some point as a guest on here, back in 2009, 2010, I think, I've taken a page from her book and been all about setting intentions for the coming year as it starts to peak its way over the horizon. And this year, they feel clearer and more crystallized for me than ever. Because this year, they're shaped by healing, both my own and some of the insights I've uncovered and shared with my clients as I've worked with them to help serve as a guide on their own healing journeys. As hard as this year hit me, the preceding ones weren't necessarily all sunshine and rainbows either. But a hit that hard sometimes hits different, wakes you up, and gives you perspective like no other. And that's 100% what happened for me after losing my dad and through that gradual healing process over the course of this past year, making the conscious decision to recognize the light and joy he always radiated as my birthright. Something already in me versus something I had to seek outside of myself. And I'm here to tell you that a realization like that does wonders for your sense of self-worth. And subsequently, how you view the world as a whole, your idea of what matters and what doesn't, and most importantly, the treatment you will and will not accept from others. 
which makes what I'm about to share as far as the intentions I mean to cultivate and the energy with which I intend to step into all the fresh new possibilities of this new year, not only exclusive to me, but something that just about anyone can take and implement in ways that work best for them. Because just about anyone can benefit from a little boost to their sense of self-worth and renegotiation of their boundaries, namely that treatment that they will and won't accept from others and who they choose to allow access to them or how much access they allow as a direct result of all that. Okay, so I've talked about my whole issue of needing four connecting flights to get to the point on here before. And while certainly some of that can be attributed to my ADHD, some of it is also a trauma response left over from my very first serious relationship with an abusive, controlling, borderline personality who would constantly put me on trial, giving me the third degree about every little thing, which led to this annoying habit I now have of over-explaining absolutely everything. Up to and including, evidently, the origins of said over-explaining. Jesus fucking Christ, really? Ugh. Anyway, although I've never thought of myself as being a hardcore people pleaser or someone who's wildly conflict avoidant, like, I don't actively seek conflict out, but I'm not shy about advocating for myself or others I may happen to see being mistreated. I recently saw a post talking about how over-explaining is actually a form of people pleasing, and it made way too much sense. And even if I hadn't connected those dots for myself, I see it multiple times a week in sessions. And almost as frequently, my go-to suggestion of perhaps re-examining and taking a firmer approach to setting boundaries with those people is met with a litany of easier said than done reasons why not. And I get it, truly. Even more so now that I can more clearly recognize the areas and relationships I've fallen into the pattern myself. So may I propose to you that in lieu of the tired new year, new you approaches where we set lofty resolutions for ourselves that we self-flagellate about when we fall off the rails with them, you might consider joining me in setting an intention to approach 2023 with a new year true you mindset instead. By which I mean pretty much exactly what that sounds like. Making the choices that feel true and good and of service to you, not the choices that will appease those around you the most. And by extension, carefully and regularly reevaluating who you allow to be around you in the first place, and how much. I know taken on their own, all of those might sound like some basic bitch meme fodder or a slogan you'd see on a mass-produced t-shirt that pops up in your targeted ads. And props if I'm like, my retail therapy susceptible ass, your targeted ads are more interesting than that. And taken on their own without a deeper dive, they are kind of what Dana would call scratch and snips. So... Let me break down a little further what it might look like with one of the most common challenges I hear in session and have experienced myself, as well as the myriad ways it can manifest in our lives. Namely, the never-ending struggle of learning to validate our own feelings when faced with those people, be they new ones we're hoping to make a positive impression on or family members or friends we've known forever, who have that annoying trait of endlessly invalidating them for us. And with that latter category especially, so often we just kind of roll with it, path of least resistance style, seemingly believing we must resign ourselves to this toxic ass behavior in the name of shared history and or DNA. This is seriously one of the biggest things I hear, and those invalidations can range from people labeling us as too much when we have the audacity to have an emotional response to something, criticizing how we always bring up the past and can't just let things go, dismissing us as being too sensitive if we call them out on hurtful behaviors because 
they were obviously just kidding. Or those people who seemingly live for pointing out all the flaws or potential things that could go wrong in a new situation or idea we're super excited about. As well as those ones who lean on us for emotional support on the regular, but meet us in our struggles with little more than the emotional equivalent of a, damn, that sucks. Hit me up when you're ready to be fun again, when we need something. Even the friends who just go disappearing into new relationships and reappearing in your life sporadically whenever they hit a snag can potentially be reevaluated. Assuming we're talking adults who understand things like priorities and responsibilities, your teenager in the throes of shiny new puppy love deserves to enjoy that rite of passage just like you did. And also, if you're that enmeshed with your teenager in the first place, be sure to tune into future episodes on family dynamics whenever I get around to making them happen because I definitely plan on it, and I guarantee you'll get some good stuff out of those. But I've had many a client bring one or more of these frustrations to me, doubting themselves, asking me to confirm whether they are in fact making too big a deal out of something, and whether the hurt behavior is just normal. To which I will pose the food for thought that if you are questioning whether or not your experience is normal, I'll first challenge you to define what constitutes normal in the first place. To date, I have yet to receive a satisfactory response to this inquiry from anyone ever in any capacity, personal or professional. Once you've been vested on that front, Jesus, what am I, the inconceivable guy from Princess Pride? Not important. Step two, I will then point out that if your experience has caused you to feel emotionally dysregulated in some way, it was likely not a healthy or constructive experience for you to be undergoing. And that feeling was your central nervous system letting you know that it was unacceptable and inappropriate. Because hot tip, our feelings are always valid. Even when your reaction to a situation is disproportionate, there's generally some underlying feeling, often one that's only very loosely related to that smaller stressor that's sparking the intense emotional response to begin with. And exploring that feeling is what'll help you gain deeper insight to lessen intensity moving forward. I've started calling this the it's not about the rose bushes phenomenon. I once had a session where my client shared the quote unquote stupid fight she and her partner had had about him digging up some rose bushes in front of the house without consulting her. Thing is, this is also someone for who the duration of their long relationship had regularly demonstrated nothing but disrespect and disregard for her thoughts, feelings, or opinions, failing to take her into account in any of his decisions ever. It was never about the rose bushes, even though it wasn't even his house, and his doing that was super inconsiderate in the first place anyway. And let's talk about being too much for a minute, shall we? Because I've been called too much by so many people over the years that if every one of them donated a dollar, I'd probably never have financial problems again. Okay, I mean, maybe they'd each need to throw in 10 or something, but still. It's manifested in different ways, either people accusing me of being dramatic or shushing me with a placating relax or calm down if I express upset about something and it makes them uncomfortable, attempting to censor my outspokenness or brief me as an adult on how I should behave going into a new situation like I'm some unruly child. I did have one shining moment in my younger, less self-assured days. Just one. Wish I'd had more. Making up for lost time now. Anyway, in this one shining moment, I addressed that with someone I dated briefly, 
who was scolding me after a night out at a stuffy hotel bar for the vaguely off-color banter I'd engaged in with the bartender, who, by the way, was not only not remotely offended, but made a point of letting me know I had made his night with that irreverent change of pace um, from that boring crowd that came in. He asked me to come back and hooked me up every time I went in after the fact. Like, we were friends in a weird way. And when I pointed all that out and was kind of like, if you don't like that, maybe you just don't like me. I was met with the argument that, well, that wasn't all there was to me. And somehow, oh man, why did she stick around longer? I easily volleyed back with a, well, I'm a total package though. I'm a whole person. You don't just get to pick and choose the parts of me that you like. Yeah, so like I've been, side note, bitching about this whole story. I don't know where that self-assured girl came from in that moment because she fucked off on me again for another decade or so after the fact. Now that I have her back, I'm keeping her close. And sure, I mean, we can reduce that one to a pithy scratch and sniff meme or t-shirt slogan too. If I'm too much, go find less. Pretty sure that one actually exists already and has also popped up in my targeted ads. But the bravado of that statement doesn't negate the fact that the really shitty part about being treated like you're too much is that too much is really just the flip side of not enough. Except it stings a little worse in a way because in either instance, you're found wanting in some sense. The too much just implies that you actually tried that time and still came up short. I've also had many a client come to me in frustration over a fruitless attempt to address an old hurt with a loved one and set boundaries around it. This happens when that person mistakes our attempt as a request for their validation of our pain, as opposed to the simple acknowledgement that their behavior caused us pain in the first place and that we'd like them to course correct it. It is frequently maddeningly met with one of the two responses I mentioned earlier, either an accusation that we're stuck in the past and need to move on already, or a dismissal that they were only kidding and we need to lighten up. If you've ever been on the receiving end of that first one, please be advised that there is a goddamn galaxy of difference between ruminating on the past and staying stuck there versus acknowledging that what happened to you was unacceptable, remains unaddressed and unresolved, and that you would like to rectify that fact to ensure that it doesn't happen again in the future. That, my darlings, is not dwelling on the past. It's simply acknowledging that you don't have amnesia about the things that hurt you, which, by the way, is not a service you are obligated to provide to anyone, ever. The just kidding is similar. I recently called out a longtime friend on that one. It's been a frequent go-to of his over the years as he's fond of invalidation and dismissal when it comes to mental health struggles, which, as I'm sure you can probably imagine given who I am and what my life's work entails, has led to differences of opinion between us on more than one occasion over the years. In the past, I've always just distanced myself for a while once that just kidding surfaces. But this time, I decided I wasn't beat for it anymore. Pro tip, if you decide to do this, be ready to call out non-apology apologies after the fact. Things like, sorry you feel that way, or sorry if you were offended, that kind of nonsense. Then you can distance yourself and await their actual sincere apology and hopefully subsequent changed behaviors with bated breath. And if they can't be bothered to attempt to rectify and course correct, 
that speaks volumes to their lack of respect for you, at which point you are well within your rights to choose to remain distant as you carry on living your best life. For the people who either try to douse the fire of your passions with doubt or who only seem to be around when they need something but can't be bothered to return in kind for you when you do, you can go case by case. If there's some other way in which they add value to your world, they can still hang. But this is also where you may want to consider some boundaries in your conversations with them. In the case of the former, like, don't share the things that you're excited about if they're just going to piss on your parade anyway. Or with the latter, how available or accessible you'll make yourself to them the next time their skies are stormy and they call on you for some sunshine. Because the thing is, most of us want to be seen as good, kind, caring, and giving. Or at least if you're someone who's listening to a mental health podcast in search of ways to heal and grow and better yourself, you probably are. And don't get me wrong, being a good, kind, caring, and giving person is in itself a desirable goal. Being one who's bled dry by others to the point of depletion, however, is not. So all my conflict avoidant people pleasers out there, feel free to repeat after me. It is not now, nor has it ever been my responsibility to make those who cause me discomfort comfortable or to keep the peace for those who disrupt mine. I am not obligated to censor myself for others or required to bite my tongue when they've caused me harm in some way. It is my right to feel nourished, nurtured, and uplifted by the energies I surround myself with, to choose relationships that are loving, healthy, and reciprocal, and to distance myself from those that are not. Seriously, share your joy with people who want to celebrate it with you, not poke holes in it. Share yourself with the people who want to celebrate the total package version of you, not the ones who want to pick and choose the parts of you that suit them and censor the traits they don't like. Because if you water yourself down, you dim your own light and you stop showing up as the truest version of you. And why would you want to go another year being your own dampener? Why would you even want to go another minute? I mean, do you if that's your jam? Like I've said before, I'm not a guru who has all the answers. I'm only here to serve as a guide. But as for me, I intend to come in true from the gate this year, allowing myself to shine in all my unapologetic, unfiltered glory. So join me if that serves you. That's all I have for today. If you liked what you heard so far and want more, you can connect and follow me on both Instagram and TikTok at Out Is Through Podcast to stay in the loop about what's next and check out whatever random therapy-themed content I might deem relevant or entertaining enough to share to our little community on any given day. Until then, be you, be true, and live your life to the fullest as your most authentic self. Talk to you soon.